0: Hi, and welcome to the Podcast Brunch Club podcast. My name is Adela, and I'm the founder of PBC. Today, I am thrilled to be joined by Stephanie Whittles-Wax, host of Last Day and co-founder of Lemonada Media. We listened to an episode of Last Day as part of our June 2020 listening list on therapy, which you can find at podcastbrunchclub.com therapy. The episode we listened to was an interview with Dr. Gaber Mate, about how trauma is an underlying cause of addiction, and how trauma is much more widely defined than what we think. So, welcome, Stephanie. I'm so happy to have you on the Podcast Brunch Club podcast. Ah, oh, thank you for having me on. Very thrilling. Very this thrilling. Is very exciting. Um, <laughs> I have been a big fan, I will say, for a while. Um, and but before we dig into sort of the episode that we listen to for Podcast Brunch Club, let's take a step back. And can you give us a little bit of an overview of last day?
1: Yeah. So Last Day uh, is a podcast that sounds like a giant bummer. So I'm going to tell you what it is and then I'm going to tell you how we we do it. Um, so it's a show about the things that are killing us and it comes from a personal story. I lost my brother, Harris Whittles, in 2015 to a heroin overdose and we were extremely close and um, we come from a quote unquote good family and We thought we did everything we could to help him through this. And he was very successful and talented in his own right. Um, He was a comedian and wrote for Parks and Recreation and seemed, you know, just wildly successful. Like, oh, I want his life kind of a guy and um, struggled with this addiction and then died. And I was left with like so many people who lose people to addiction. Like, what? what did we do or not do or what could we have done differently or why did this happen and am I culpable and where did it go off the rails and all of those questions for which there are very complicated answers. There are things that kill people like disease where you can go, oh, they had this disease and it killed them and it feels more sort of cut and dried or, oh, they're old and they lived a life and then they died because bodies expire. There are some things for which or really from which people die, um, like addiction, like suicide, like, um, you know, there's a lot of of these epidemics that are in the news constantly, but very misunderstood and often very stigmatized. And that's what we are digging into on last day. So our first season was about addiction. Our second season that we are currently in early production on is on suicide, Um, And again, it's just stuff that that you hear about constantly. And if it came to your own backyard, wouldn't necessarily know what to do.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay. So I mean, I'm curious about the origin story of the show, because that sounds like a like a pretty big wound. It's a, a gaping wound that you are just sort of exposing to the entire world by doing a podcast about it. So you know, what was your thinking about that? How did it? How did the idea for the show come about?
1: <laughs> oh, I, yeah, I think I think I'm led by my gut as a human and less by my brain. I think that's why I uh, have done some of the things that are probably like, stupid to other people or like, don't make any sense. Like, why would you want to put yourself out there in that way? I have been an artist my entire life, things are filtered through that part of me. And so I've, You know, when my brother died, I started writing um, pretty soon after and really unintentionally wrote a very uh, raw essay um, that kind of went viral. And then like a literary agent was like, do you want to write this into a book? And I said, I truly do not. And I don't know how to write a book. And I'm not an author. I'm going to keep writing because it's saving my life right now. And I think I'm going to die if I stop writing. Because um, I'm just like so consumed by grief that I, I don't I, I just want to get in my pajamas and vomit my thoughts onto a keyboard. And then that turned into a book. Right. And and through that process, like of intense grieving, my life really shifted in a lot of ways. And I couldn't do all the things that I had done. Like I was a teacher for 10 years. I taught theater um, and I couldn't do that anymore after my brother died. And um, the systems that I had built just didn't work anymore. And I think this is a lot of people's experience with profound grief and loss is that, you know, you're, 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 you're building your house kind of just crumbles and you have to rebuild it. And part of that rebuilding for me was being very exposed and was like saying every thought that I had um, onto the page. And we actually went on terrible. Thanks for asking um, my mom and I that happened also very accidentally, unintentionally. I, my mom was like uh, just getting in the podcast and she's like, give me stuff to listen to. I was like, you got to listen to the show. Uh, it'll make you feel so much better because it's about how everyone's going <laughs> through horrible, <laughs> terrible, <laughs> excruciating pain. And when you're going through excruciating pain, it's like great to hear that other people are too, right? I'm not alone in this. And so my mom started listening to it and then emailed them because she's like, I have a, I have a show idea and hans replied to her saying like we'd love to have you on the show which was Nora's old producer and then my mom emailed me and was like you have to come on this with me and i was like i don't want to come on this with you i actually have no desire to do that whatsoever and she's like i don't care and uh you know here's the date and time show up basically and um, nice. so we did and then like we did the show Nora and i to this day are very good friends like i we we communicate constantly. We're very, like, twin-souled in a lot of ways, and I'm so glad that I did because that moment shaped so much of the rest of my life. I did that podcast episode, and I think it was really therapeutic for my mom to do because um, I had been pouring a bunch of stuff out, but she, like, hadn't as much. And um, the way that Nora uses humor to talk about painful things is, is my wheelhouse as well. And so it felt like a... Um, freeing in a way to like talk about it in that way and that tone and this woman who I did not know who lived in Minneapolis I live in Texas uh Jess Cordova Kramer cold emailed me like she had heard the episode her brother Stefano had died three months before so it was like a, a a more recent loss than Harris's I think we had been without him for around two years at that point so Again, like we could laugh about it because we were in a very different space of grief um, than she was. And where she was in her space of grief, she had not like smiled in three months. Like she had been so, you know, just crippled by by this, these feelings of darkness. And so she said she like listened to the episode and smiled and laughed Mm -hmm. and was Mm -hmm. like, oh, my gosh, I have the ability to still do those things. And she cold reached out to me a couple months <laughs> later and because she was the executive producer of Pod Save the People with DeRay McKesson, and she wanted me to come on to do an episode about the opioids crisis and really talk about it from a first-person perspective instead of like a policy perspective. Um I was a week away from giving birth to my second kid at that point and like truly big as a house. I'm like five feet, t- zero inches. I'm like a very small person. And I was like a house and I like was very <laughs> uncomfortable. And and she's like, hey, you know, do you want to touch base about this? I was like, sure. I jumped on the phone with her. We talked for like an hour. It was one of those conversations where like I know her from another life. Like we we were the same in a lot of ways and very different in other ways that make us great partners to this day. Um, but basically like at the very end of that conversation, she's like, Hey, I have this idea to do a podcast about the opioids crisis. Would you want to do it with me? And I was like, going to have this baby. Um, let me <laughs> circle back on that. Um, and honestly, the answer was no at that point, because I had already written the book. I had like done my grieving. I had thought about opioids now for four years. Cause my brother was like, having his addiction for two years. And then we had lost him for two years. And I was like, I, I don't want to make my life about opioids. Like it was a very painful experience to go through. I feel like I have done the grieving out loud that I want to do and I'm done and I'm ready to move forward. Unfortunately, <laughs> my <laughs> internal uh, activist is, is, is louder sometimes than I would like. And Um, I read this article a few months later that their opioids are killing more people in car accidents. And I literally emailed Jess that second. And I was like, let's do it. And uh, here we
0: are. And how long after your baby was born was that? This is like three
1: months after. So my baby was. okay. let's see. So maybe maybe five, maybe five months. So I think he was like five months old at this point. And I remember where I was, I was like in his room, it was daytime, I remember what the light was doing in the room, he was laying playing on the floor, and I like was scrolling my phone and saw it and I like stopped everything and, and emailed her. And since then, you know, we were like, okay, let's, let's do this podcast. And like, the first, you know, um, version of the show is so vastly different than what it ended up being. You know, the pilot episode was completely different. Jess and I were on it together. We were co-hosting. It was more of a chat show, Um, just completely uh, a different vibe altogether. And from there, that was like, I want to say, October 2018 or thereabouts. Um, She and her husband flew down Super Bowl weekend 2019 To our house, like a big, basically like a business blind date. We're like, do we want to like start a company, like a podcast company? Because we were basically we were shopping around of like who could produce this. And at one point, Jess was like, I produce podcasts like we could start a company and do this and not just do a show about this hard thing, but do lots of shows about lots of hard things that are first person narrative, that are humanity centered, that are, you know." help people get out of bed in the morning and and we had this like idea and now we're in development launching our 8th show in September. So it like again like all of this stuff was not the plan. You know, like all of the things that have happened, I didn't mean to do. <laughs> and
0: here we are. I mean it it sounds like it sounds like a little bit like you and Jess sort of met at the same time like she was in This period of her grieving process that you had been when you were writing. yep. And so you found this outlet to write. And that's sort of what launched you. And she was sort of seeking out an outlet, you know, because it had just been three months since um, her her brother's name is Stefano, right? Since Stefano had died. And she needed something too. And so it just, you know, you were sort of two years ahead of her in terms of the grieving process. But it's it's a really amazing serendipitous um origin story.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I and then when you like do that thing where you rewind and you like, okay, if my mom hadn't emailed terrible things for asking and if I hadn't shared it with her and da, then like I never would have met Jess. My life mm-hmm. would be so different, you know? Um and when you like meet somebody and you become so tethered to them, you know, and it's like this, ama- it's a, it is, it's a, if I take a step back, I mean like I don't have time to do that cause I'm typically working 18 hours a day. But like when I have a moment to take a step back, I'm like, this is pretty crazy. <laughs> like it's, it's wild yeah. that, that, that yeah. she wound up in my inbox and that I got the email and that I responded. I mean, how many times do you get like, Inquiries about something. I'm the worst at it. I say it on the show. Like if you DM me, I love you, and I am reading it, and I am so bad about responding. <laughs> like I just <laughs> usually because there's like children crawling on me, or like yeah. somebody needs something, and I go away and I forget the fact that like it has gotten to this point, you know. And now we're in this really exciting phase with Lemonada where we are just hiring all these full time staff, so it's actually a real company now. It's not a fake company. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's exciting.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a great segue. I was going to ask you about this later in the interview, but I, why don't you just tell us a little bit about Lebanon Media and some of the other shows that are under that umbrella?
1: Yeah, so the original concept for Lemonada that like it's making lemonade out of lemons one podcast at a time. So that's you know where the name comes from. Like our lives have been really shitty and they suck and we're going to make something out of that. Out of those ashes, right? Um it really has that's that's our guiding principle. So the 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 you will never hear a uh, murder true crime podcast on Lemonada. It's just not what we do. Um we are interested in humanity unfiltered is what we say. So like the messy stuff, like the ugly stuff, but also the funny stuff. Um, and all of our podcasts are really hit where the personal and universal meet is what we say. So it's like something that's like very personal to you, but like other people can relate to. Um, so we have, like I said, we're launching our eighth show now. Um, I, I I love our shows. I'm biased, but I love our shows. We have last day obviously, um, was our first. And then we launched a show called As Me with Sinead, which is with Sinead Burke. She's a um disability advocate. She's from Ireland. She's the most beautiful, charming, incredible person you'll ever meet. So she has that distinction. No one else can have it. Um, and she had these like really beautiful conversations with people that it's like, how did you book that person? You know, and she's just like really digging into like what makes them tick and how we're very alike. And and it's such an empathy builder and, and like just a beautiful show. Um, we do a show called Good Kids. It's interesting. That show started as being called Good Kids, How Not to Raise an Asshole. And it's like 15 minutes short. How do we do this parenting things? And it's shifted. So when the pandemic hit, we rebranded it, good kids, stay at home edition. Uh, and it was like, okay, now we're all stuck at home with our kids. Like what do we do now? And you know, with, with the black lives matter movement and and all that's happening right now, you know, how are we talking, ha- talking to our kids, having these hard conversations. Um, so some of those episodes are really funny and some of them are very serious. Um, but it has to do with like creating good people and how we all kind of collectively do that. Um, when we launched that show, we interviewed Michael Bennett and his wife, Pele Bennett. Michael Bennett is a football player and NFL star. And they came on Good Kids. And at the end, they were like, we want to do a podcast. And I'm like, well, I have a company. And uh, so we have their show. It's called Mouthpiece with Michael and Pele Bennett. And man, they just like they get into all of it. All the things. It is like so raw, so real. Uh, Michael is hilarious. Um he has written a best selling book uh it, so it's like a very human side that you don't always see to an athlete basically um and then uh so we've got that show and i feel like i'm doing a quiz and then like i have to get it right <laughs> um oh my god in the bubble with andy slavitt uh so andy slavitt uh, you know little known expert uh covet expert he worked for a guy named obama i don't know if you've heard of him <laughs> um but andy does this podcast about corona but it's like really uh, it's like a hopeful way to talk about it it's very solutions oriented um basically andy like emailed us and, and andy came on last day this is the other thing he came on last day and then like we formed a relationship with him and he emailed us like in march on a saturday night and was like i want to do a podcast i want to launch it like right away and the next saturday we had our trailer that was launched wow. um and it's it's an incredible show i we do two episodes a week of that show um he's interviewed you know everyone from like tina Fey and judd apatow to you know major policy people that, and doctors and scientists and um politicians and you know so all sorts of people like next week we're interviewing uh joe kennedy And we just had Jose Andres on. Um, And so it's 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 fascinating. And Andy's really funny. And he's a dad and his his 18 year old son is stuck at home with him. And um, Andy has forced him to be his uh, producer. So his 18-year-old son hangs out with him on the tape and tells him what a like dorky daddy is. So that's a fun aspect of that show. And then um, we have In Recovery with Nzinga Harrison, which is a really exciting show that I'm deeply passionate about because it was a true um, outset of, of Last Day. So when we were finishing Last Day Season 1, it was like, OK, we've done... 26 episodes on the opioids crisis. We are done with that. We are done telling this story, but our community is not done. There is so much more. Like we scratched the surface in last day and um, our like MVP was in Zynga. She was like the doctor that came on. We kept having her back. We couldn't get enough of her. Her ability to break things down in a way that is like very compassionate and also like about neuroscience and like, I understand what she's saying uh, is, is fascinating. And I think she is um, the smartest person that I know. And so she does the show cut in recovery. It's about all things addiction. So like, we'll talk about the Gabor Mate episode, but like, we just did an episode on work addiction um, she did an episode on like being addicted to masturbation. She did an episode on being addicted to food. Um, she did an episode about the link between ADHD and addiction. So it's not just classic drugs and alcohol, which of course we do touch on, but it's much wider than that. Um, and then we just launched a new call, co- a new show called tell me what to do with Jamie Premax Sullivan. And I just want everyone who's listening to go listen to just list, just go listen to it. She's hilarious. It is so raunchy and raw. It, it's like, I, it's like, I, I do, it takes me a lot to laugh out loud. I'm like tired. Um, but I like guffaw when I listen to that show. Um, so it's like an advice show. It's like a dear Abby, but very edgy, very, very edgy. Do not listen with your children. <laughs> like the first, I was just working on the cold open to that show. And we basically take clips from the show and the first thing she says is like, why don't you want to finger me when I'm washing the dishes? I mean, it is like truly <laughs> pushes it in every sense of the word. Um, And then we are launching. When is this when is this episode going to air? Do we know your episode?
0: Probably around mid-July. OK,
1: so at that point, I think we will have already um, put out the teaser for Julian Castro's new show. Uh, oh. And so we are doing his show. So. Yeah, so like a lot of amazing, crazy things that I never could have imagined. And I'm very, um, very proud of the work that we're doing and I believe in the work that we're doing. And I hope that you will all listen to it.
0: Well, I will certainly put those episodes or those shows in the show notes so that people can find them quickly. Thank you. Yeah, I'm excited. Um, So so let's go back, take another step back to back to last day. Um what are you hoping that listeners will get out of the show?
1: Mm. Man, it's like, there's so many things. Um, And it was such a like, organic process, you know, like we we had an outline going in, but really doing the show is what informed the show, you know, so the guiding principle of last day is like, what could I have done differently? Right? So there's like, I'm left here and and Jess lost Stefano and she's asking herself the same thing. And so we really went on this kind of mission and this quest to figure out like what, what is addiction? Why did our brothers have addiction? Why did they die of addiction and how can we stop people from dying of addiction? You know, and we never went into it to try to solve the opioids crisis. Like it is way too big. Um, And it, and it is so systemic in so many ways. And, um, but we discovered things over the course of doing the show that do truly answer that original question, which is like, we would have done things differently had we known. So what I what I want people to get out of it is like an understanding that addiction is a disease. It should be treated in a medical framework. Um, the old intervention model of You got to get on the plane right now and or else we're cutting you out of out of our lives like does not work. Um, People are people and humans are humans. You would never say that to somebody with diabetes or cancer. Like if you if you stay sick, you're out of our lives. You would never do that. Um, And yet with addiction, it seems like a choice. And so people have little patience for it. And the symptoms of addiction are that you're a dick. Like, you know, like that's (laughs) like you suck when you're in the throes of addiction because your addiction is like, I need drugs. And so you lie and you cheat and you steal in some cases and you hide who you are. And, 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 but that is the symptom of the disease. That is, that is how you know. Right. So it's like a very tricky thing. Um, So I, I want people to feel less alone. I want people to hear it and be like, this has happened to me too and i'm not a bad person and your person's not a bad person um and then i really want people to sort of dive into this harm harm reduction framework um and we have got to start treating addiction in a harm reduction framework and not a criminal framework um and i think that's a massive step we have to take uh as a country, I mean, there are other countries in the world that have done this way better than America. Surprise, surprise. And uh, you know, we try not to get too political on the show, because um, it does affect everyone. Like I say, it's an equal opportunity destroyer. But yeah, that's kind of um, that's that's that. Those are the big goals, you know. If if we can alleviate some some guilt, negative self talk, you know, make make families feel a little bit better, like I'm I'm all for that. And like I would have loved to have had. Last day as a resource when I was struggling with this. Look, I, I, I. If somebody, this like feels like a, a brag. Like I'm not like you should listen to my show, but like I, I would have wished somebody would send me something like that to be like, hey, your entire understanding of this is wrong, and not because you are a shitty family member. It's because you have not had access to this information. Um, and yeah. it's also funny. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's, so it's not like a, it's not like a total slog, I promise.
0: <laughs> no, it's not. I I've listened to every episode. Um and it's 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 really hard, I'm not going to lie. Like it's tough to listen to and I don't have a person in my life who um who is addicted or who has suffered, but um I it's still just it's it's hard. It's hard. It's very heavy stuff. Yeah. Um and, I mean, that sort of brings me to my next question, which is I'm going to let you sort of fill in the superlative that you want to, you know, insert here. But, like, which episode of Last Day was your, the most meaningful or favorite or hardest or saddest or best or whatever for you? It's like it's
1: such a hard question because... I, I, it's like it's like having me pick a favorite child, you know, like each one has their own thing, you know? like yeah, I can I can tell you the ones that like still resonate with me today. Um I'd say the one where we had in Zynga on the first time where she really talked to me about a compassionate approach to addiction and to and and how flawed the treatment system is and how the 30 day model is a bunch of bullshit. Um, and how really we need to be on a five-year framework. That was massively impactful. Um, so that one still resonates to this day. The episode we originally did with Savante Myrick of Ithaca, uh, the mayor of Ithaca, and Hiawatha Collins, who's a harm reductionist in the Bronx, really was the first glimpse I had into what harm reduction is and what it can do to save lives. So that was really impactful. Um, the episode we did with Garth Mullins of um, Crackdown Pod, where he was like, uh, I would never recommend you get off methadone. Like, I would never tell someone to get off methadone. That was, like, really profound for me because, like, I remember when, when it came to, like, medication assisted treatment with Harris, I was like, when are you going to get off this stuff? Mm-hmm. And Garth, like, reframed all of it for me. I was like, oh, you don't ever have to get off Okay, that's something that I didn't know. Um, The idea of, like, not using alone, you know, like, this harm reduction approach, like, just, like, knocked me on my butt a million times when we were doing this show. Um, Gabor Mate's episode uh, was massive for me. Um, Massive, 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 like, like, cosmic shifts in my uh, being a human on the planet. Uh, like it like fleshed out a lot of like my own trauma and like the ways that I have not acknowledged that I have addictions and just reframing a lot for me. Um, yeah, yeah,
0: that was, I mean, every we listened to that episode, um, for the, for our June playlist. And I mean, like I said, it was, I, I told you this before we started recording, it was a favorite. There was tons of conversation around it. It really blew everybody's minds. I participated in three podcast brunch club meetings this month. Um, and it was, you know, a lot, there was a lot of conversation around it. And I even did a poll on our Facebook group um, for which episode of the four that we listened to was, the, you know, a favorite. And Last day one by a landslide. So
1: well, thank you. Cause if that wasn't the case, I would not be here. Um, I, I am only in it for the wins. So thank you. I I need uh-huh. I need that. I need that validation. Um so well, thanks. Yeah.
0: Yeah, sure. So um so also on the Facebook group I sort of asked people if they had any questions for you. Mm-hmm. And so I thought we'd go through some of those right now. This first one is um Sort of relating to what you were just talking about, about Gabar Mate and how he made you realize some of your own um, tendencies. So let's listen.
2: Hey Stephanie, this is Jenna, one of the leaders of the podcast brunch club virtual chapter. Thank you for sharing the conversation with Dr. Mate and for sharing your own story about your your struggle with a work addiction. I know it certainly resonated with me, and I, I think with many others as well. I'm curious uh, how you have been coping with that addiction since the conversation with Dr. Mate, and also how it's been going during COVID nineteen. I think it's uh, a time when it's easy to give into some of those addictive behaviors or fall into old patterns. And I think that the, the work addiction is perhaps particularly uh, salient because there's not a lot of other things to do right now. So it might be easy to fall back onto those tendencies. So just wondering um, how things are going and what your perspective looks like these days. Thanks.
1: That's such a good question. I'm, like, deeply, deeply flawed as a human, and I, like, make tons of mistakes. Like, so I'm, like, the first to be, like, I'm the worst. And, you know, it's interesting, like, I did get into therapy. Like, I I wanted to do some trauma therapy. So I did, like, get into that, and I was, like, gonna do it, and then COVID happened. And... (laughs) (laughs) like you can't really do like EMDR not in person you know what I mean so like I I do have the desire to dig into that deeper and and I'm like I've been in therapy forever like I've done cognitive behavioral therapy like my whole life you know like I I could tell you all the things that I do and why I do them and and all of that which is why Monte's episode was like so revolutionary and groundbreaking for me because it was like oh, this is a new perspective that I hadn't really thought of before. Um, So at this point, like I think we are all engaging in like bad habits, probably self-destructive habits. I think like anything goes right now, to be honest, like I think we just have to do the best that we can. And that is all that I am doing. I am trying to like keep children alive we always like my daughter's gone feral like she's like run. like she doesn't wear clothes anymore she like doesn't brush her hair (laughs) she's like you know like she's staying up super late like the parenting stuff has kind of gone out the window the boundaries on work-life balance have gone out the window I am still like very deeply committed to not being on the phone when I am with her so like i'm I'm really trying to be more cognizant of that. She has put signs on her door, you know, saying, like, "No phone's allowed in my room." Oh, wow, I mean, she you know, like and then you see like, man, I am like actively like fucking up my kid, you know, like it's <laughs> it's real, like you see that. um so, yeah, like I, I think the lines are blurry. I think I'm also like in a startup business right now, and so it's not helping like it's not helping. But I think having the awareness of it and having a very clear goal of, of trying to separate those things and trying to be aware of when I'm using work to fill some sort of a void. Um, it's like acceptance is the first step kind of a thing. So like, I I think there's that. And then I think that it's just a terrible time. Yeah. You know? And so, yeah, it probably haven't improved. I will say, I will be honest about that. Um, But I think my cognitive like understanding of it has definitely shifted.
0: Yeah. Um, Okay, let's listen to another question that might sort of relate.
1: Hi, Stephanie. It's Sarah from the Houston chapter of PBC. Thank you so much for your show. I recommend it to people all the time. If you're willing to share, I'm curious if there's a particular type of therapy you've benefited from
0: to cope with the loss of your brother.
1: Yeah, that's a That's a really good question. You know, I was in a fog for like, I was in a fog. Well, first I was in like a, a a pit of hell, you know, and then I was like in a fog and it's a process, right? So I don't think there's a particular type of therapy. I would say that I had a therapist that I deeply trusted and felt very comfortable around and I went often. So right after my brother died, I ramped up the amount that I was getting therapy, but I always say to people like even if you're going to therapy like two or three times a week, that's only two or three hours out of like 170 hours. So what are you going to do the other hours? And for me, that was like writing. Um, And so writing became like a very intense form of therapy for me. Um, And doing it consistently. Like I I had a friend tell me um, this image of like, if you think of 15 minutes as a brick and if you, dedicate yourself to doing 15 minutes a day of of writing or some sort of task then and if and if each brick is 15 minutes like at the end of a year you'll have a lot of structure there you know and so that sort of like um, ritual that I sort of fell into was very um, helpful I think and then just just going to therapy regularly just any kind of talk therapy um, you know I think if you find a good therapist who you connect with Um, That's that's the important thing. And like I said, like now I would like to dig into some like more intensive, maybe trauma therapy um, and started to scratch that itch a little bit um, before the world ended uh, and and TBD on that. But um, definitely some kind of therapy for sure. Highly, highly, highly recommend. I can't imagine anyone who would do this alone.
0: I think you mentioned something in your answer to Jenna's question before about EMDR. What is Mm -hmm. EMDR? So it's like um, eye
1: movement desensitized, not even gonna try to tell you what it is. I don't know what those (laughs) letters mean, Um, but it's basically like a kind of therapy where you're like bypassing your frontal brain. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's like a, you know, like Gabor Mate said in the episode, there's like so many different kinds of therapies. Um, And this one has to do with like, you putting your hands out and getting taps on your hands and your eyes are going back and forth. And so you're focusing on, on this sort of physical task while you're processing things out loud. It sounds so heebie-jeebie crystal weird. Mm -hmm. Like I (laughs) initially was like, absolutely not. Like I am, I am not, we're not doing this voodoo. Um, But I think for somebody who is like constantly thinking and processing and thinks that I know all the things about myself, it's like helpful Mm -hmm. because it sort of bypasses your brain. And if you're like a person who's stuck in your brain all the time, like I have intense amounts of anxiety, like on a good day, Um, always have. Uh, And I'm always in my head. So I think that it, it, it was helpful for me the little bit that I did I wouldn't like put my stamp of approval because I don't have enough experience with it but I think it's helpful for a lot of people I mean there's like a lot of different treatments you can do um but I, my understanding is that it, it's a it's a thing that you do that bypasses your thinking brain and kind of goes into like the places in your brain where things have been like very solidified
0: right well I just looked it up it's eye movement desensitization and reprocessing thank you and you're so yeah. good good.
3: <laughs> yes, that's what Google it is. is. so good,
0: yeah. Um, okay, let's take the final question.
3: Hi, Stephanie. My name is Renee. I'm with the Dickinson chapter of the podcast Brunch Club. And um, my question is related to um, the episode that we listened to this month and how Dr. Matei had mentioned that, that it's an unresolved trauma that may have caused Harris's addiction, and I'm curious as to whether or not you or your parents would want to know what the catalyst was or how you would deal with being the catalyst that caused Harris to make the choice of choosing drugs to deal with his pain. I ask only because I have a son whose drug of choice is math, as far as I know, and I worry that maybe I am the one, I'm the catalyst and I'm not sure how does how does one heal from that trauma without the person or the instance responsible for it? How do how can I help him? I guess is what I want to know. Um, thanks so much for your podcast. I'm looking forward to listening to all the episodes of last day. Whew, a, that's yeah. a tough one. Um,
1: So the the quote that comes to mind as she's speaking is what Mate said, which is that trauma isn't what happens to us. It's what's hap- It's what happens inside of us. And so I think if you, if you take that on the surface, I do not think that it is helpful, productive, or correct, um, to put blame on a person. So I, I think that, that people react to different things differently. Right. And so, what Mate was saying is like, we will never be able to know what Harris's trauma was. We will never know um, because his experience of the world as a sensitive kid, as a second child, as a whatever informs his worldview and that because I can't be in his worldview and I never was, I'll never have the answer to that. Right. And that's this. that's what sucks is that I can't I can't crack that code and I never will be able to I would encourage this listener like especially to go back and listen to all the episodes because that that desire that she had that she's having to blame herself and to figure out how to like get her son out of it I think I think that all of that would shift for her if she listened to the series I mean it shifted for me right like I I mean, my mom and I had a really intense conversation on one of the episodes where I said, like, where I talked about, like, do you blame yourself? I think. And she was like sobbing, you know, and she's like, I I can't I can't do that because it's just too it's too hard. It's too painful. No, I think what it was was I said, don't you feel like we didn't know enough? Like we should have known more. We should have like. You know, and then my dad, who like actually was a like an internal medicine doctor growing up, he's retired now. He's like, Listen, this is the frustrating thing about science, is that you know what you know when you know it. And like there will be some sort of a breakthrough that will happen that like could have maybe saved your person two years before, but they weren't it it, it wasn't it wasn't there. Like you 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 only know what you know <laughs> when you know it. And and I, I think because this mother sounds really loving. And I think that we as humans, like innately, like we want to know the answer. And this is the whole point of the podcast. You're not going to know the answer. You're not going to know why your son uses meth. You're not, you're not going to know like, and and if he, and if he overuses and, you know, and something horrible and tragic and, you know, what we want to think of as preventable happens, like you're going to spend the rest of your life blaming yourself in some sort of a way. And that's part of what the show is like. I do not blame myself for my brother's death and my parents don't. Well, my dad might, um, which we get into on the show. Um, but you know, it's, it's like a really intense question for which there is not a simple answer. And I like deeply appreciate the question and I completely get it. And I feel you. And I really want you to listen to the rest, and then tell me what you think.
0: <laughs> also, I know that she's. I, I I responded to the to her when she sent me the question, and it was because it was. It's heartbreaking. It's a heartbreaking question. Yeah. Um, and I told her. I said, you know, I think she has listened to your episode on terrible things for asking with your mother. So, and I said, you know, you should go back and listen to all of the episodes of Last Day, and also. Her, you know, Stephanie's parents do feature heavily in, you know, if not their voice, you know, their presence is there, like pretty much throughout. Um, and I also suggested that she she seek out in recovery with Doctor Nzinga. Oh my um, God, yes, yes,
1: yes, 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 yes. It is, it is that is what she should be listening to actively every day. <laughs> yeah, because it's just it's such a misunderstood. It's like, would you? blame yourself for your kid getting any other disease like I guess you could like genetically blame yourself and then I also as a mother understand the desire to say like I'm not doing enough like as a mother you your job is to protect your kids and like make sure they have good lives and when something you know quote-unquote bad happens to your kid as a parent you want to jump in and fix it and you want to save the day and I completely get that urge um, but I think there's so many layers there and I think like she, in is a perfect place to go and like reframing her understanding of addiction and, and, you know, there's a lot, there's also this episode that we did with a woman named Lori who has a son who was addicted to meth and she was also like a really involved great mother and, um, you know, her son went through all that. I think it was episode 15, I want to say 15 or 16. Um, so anyway, thank you for the question. I, 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 I really do appreciate it. And, and I, I'm hoping that you get some answers and that your son gets better.
0: Yeah. Yeah. My mom once told me in this like weird guilt trip, but like explanation, she said to me, you're only as a mother, you're only as happy as your unhappiest child. And I was like, well, thanks for that. Like, that's, you know, like in the midst of me going through what I'm going through, now I have this additional guilt of like making my mother unhappy because if I communicate it to her, then she is now only as happy as I am because I am her quote unquote unhappiest child of two. It's
1: true. I mean, it it's is true. It's, I know. But. It sucks to hear it, but it is like you, you, when somebody you know, either comes out of your body or you are there from day one or however it is that you get a child into your arms and then you are responsible for raising it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it fucks you up in a lot of ways, right? Mm-hmm. It's like a beautiful, deeply, just like the most incredible relationship of my life. And it is so intense. And, you know, I, my brother's death has shaped my mother and, and father in terrible ways. And I wish I could take that pain away every single day. Um, And I just have a ton of empathy for her for where she is.
0: Yeah. Um, Well, let's shift gears a little bit um, and start wrapping up. Um, The final question I always ask our guests, because we are all podcast listeners, uh, you know, podcast brunch club community are all podcast listeners. I like to hear what your podcast recommendation is. So, what
1: have you got for us? So, am I supposed to like narrow this down to one or a few?
0: The one or okay. two.
1: Okay. Yeah. Okay. 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 Oh God, you really coming Sorry. with the coming with the hard stuff? Um, <laughs> I listened to this show a few months back called Believed. Uh, it is very intense. I think it's like eight episodes uh, about the Larry Nassar case. Yes. Um, I sent it to everyone on the last day team. And I was like, listen to this. It's beautiful narrative storytelling. Um, I think they do a really responsible job of tackling a really hard topic uh, with sensitivity. And um, it's just great storytelling. And it's short. And I, I highly recommend it. It's it's again, it's not light. It's very intense. Um, but I, I appreciate it as a human as a producer of podcasts, as a podcast creator, and as a mother, you know, I I was like, Oh, wow. Um, you know, I don't have a ton of like firsthand knowledge, thank God of sexual abuse and sexual trauma, and early sexual trauma. And, uh, and I should because I have little kids, and, and it was very eye opening. Um, so I, I highly recommend it.
0: Okay. I will put that on the show notes. Um, let's just wrap up. But before we do, how can people follow you? I am on all the things at Whittle
1: Stephanie, W-I-T-T-E-L Stephanie. Uh, you can follow at Lemonata Media on all the things as well. Um, And then obviously, please subscribe to Last Day. If you like Last Day, please write a review. I know you hear this on all your favorite podcasts, but it really does make a huge difference. And um, it helps us continue to make the show. uh, And we would appreciate it.
0: Well, thank you again so much for joining us. I know that the podcast Brunch Club community is eager to hear this interview. So I can't wait to get it out.
1: That's so nice. I am always like shocked whenever I hear that. So um, <laughs> I'm just like a girl trying to get through the day. Um, but thank you. Thank you. I, I love talking to you. And it's like very obvious that you've like really deeply thought about the work. And that is like very inspiring and comforting to me.
0: So thank you. Thank you for listening and being a part of the Podcast Brunch Club community. Do you have any thoughts on our discussion this month? Send a message or voice memo to podcast at com. PBC is a passion project and we rely on support from our global community to continue bringing people together in person and online. So if you feel like PBC has contributed to your life in any way, please consider becoming a patron or making a one-time donation. Go to podcastbrunchclub.com slash support for more information. If you're interested in becoming an organizational partner, go to podcastbrunchclub.com slash sponsors. A quick thanks to our early partners. Podbean. For one free month of podcast hosting, go to podbean.com slash pbc. Podchaser, the IMDB of podcasts. Listen notes, a podcast search engine. Critical Frequency, the podcast network for everyone else. The Venn Media, a weekly newsletter for curious minds, and Lentigua Williams and Company, Podcast Network, telling stories in the seams of society. Finally, some credits for this episode. Katie Fiori is our audio editor. Music is from Chad Crouch and Miss Ayal Gana, downloaded from Free Music Archive. I'm Adela, founder of Podcast Brunch Club, and as always, thanks and happy listening.